0: We are back, your favourite trio. It's me, Jackie, it's Sarah and it's Abby. Hey. Hello. No. How are you guys this week? What are you watching? Anything new or exciting? Um, <laughs> I, I I, am binging on Netflix. Ooh. I started watching this documentary series called Dirty Money because it kept on like flashing at me. Um, oh, I've heard about this. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's just—it's your average. Like, it's not done in a different way at all, in my opinion. But it did also expose Jared Kushner as a slum landlord in it, which I'm always up for finding new rich people I should hate. So that's what <laughs> I think the show does. Well, that's great, Abby. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how very Abby of you! I love it. <laughs> What about you, Sarah? What are you kind of thinking? Or well, this weekend I and I don't know my they count because they're Netflix. I've got I they're like TV Netflix or film Netflix. But this weekend I was on my own house, so I went uh, into the, the Taylor Swift Netflix and I watched Americana and the Reputation Live tour, <laughs> um, which was great. And actually, Americana. Uh I really enjoyed, I found it really interesting. Um don't watch documentaries, although it's hardly like a serious documentary, but it was good and it felt quite relevant to get a lot into her like political awakening and mm-hmm. um that was quite good to see, especially now that um the uh elections are coming around again in the States. So that was good would recommend. Yeah, she oh, has nice. changed a lot over time, hasn't she, Taylor Swift? Yeah yeah movie. it was interesting and actually yeah it was amazing seeing all the like Kanye stuff because it's like one of those things you know about as a sort of moment in pop cult history but actually when you see it again she was 17 yeah she was 17 years old and she thought after everyone started booing him she thought they were for her mm. it's just awful like of course that's going to be a really um formative for someone when you're at the beginning of your career you're that young so mm-hmm. yeah it's Which really was interesting 17? that's crazy, crazy. 17, yeah so was really young because it was for it was for love story yeah it was like she was yeah. like 17 18 still a
1: teen, I,
0: you know yeah. a teenage girl yeah. wow so, yeah. Yeah. Talk, talking yeah. of pop stars i uh watched lady gaga's five foot two documentary oh Very good. I'm not a massive Gaga fan, but she's really interesting and such a hard worker. And what does it follow? Does it just follow her coming out with the new album, or yeah, yeah. and just like her talking about her successes, and you just get to meet her family and her relationship with her grandma and her parents. It's really you get to see sort of Gaga without the hair and makeup, kind of Mm. like you know underneath that like meat costume, the real. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, water, so it's uh, yeah, it's a really really good watch and an easy watch as well. Yeah. So, um, but yes, so Abby, this week you've got uh, you interviewed Dave, right? Yeah. So David David Byrne of Youngest Media. He also was um quite high up at Endemol. Um, he ran Remarkable for a bit, and he is known as a quiz king. So, yeah, he's a super interesting guy. He ran the creative intern scheme as well at Endemol while he was there, which is. An entry scheme that all networkers should apply to, which I think now that's what is now old Oh uh, yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. Which um, yeah is a really great scheme. We've had quite a few people who've done the network and then got to Brightful. Mm-hmm. It's definitely been a mm-hmm. good combo for Yeah, and he also gives some tips for getting onto that as well. So it's a good lesson.
1: I'm here with David Blinn, co-founder of Youngest Media. Some shows you might be familiar with that Dave has had a hand in creating are Million Pound Drop, Pointless, Golden Balls, and more recently, Game of Clones, Small Fortune, and House Share, amongst many, many, many others. Um, so, Dave, tell me a bit more about how you started your career in TV. So,
2: I started on an intern scheme, creative internship with Endemol in 99. So it was open to anyone to apply. All you had to do was send in your ideas. They weren't too worried about qualifications and the like. It was just all about the ideas you sent in. You sent, you sent in about 10 ideas on that particular application. And if you were picked for that, you went into a interview process of 20 people who were split into groups and made to brainstorm. And from that, you went down to individual interviews. And if that all went well... You got through and became one of four interns, which I became
1: before you got into TV. You were selling uh, domains, weren't you?
2: I my first job, proper job out of uh, uni was for a company uh, that sold um, domain names, websites um, yeah. uh, on the phone with a you know one of these Madonna-style uh, <laughs> phones, where you basically be on. Calling up people and trying to sell them their domain name, like a
1: tech version of Wolf of Wall Street.
2: We actually did sell them domain names, so it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't a complete scam.
1: scam. Back in the day, like, how did you find TV jobs? Did you want to work in TV, or was it like something you just came across?
2: I didn't have a kind of sort of from childhood. I want to be a TV producer, like I know um, some of my colleagues have had. I sort of wanted to be all sorts of things. At one point a spy, at one point a priest. Um, and
1: The Irish childhood coming through then. Yeah,
2: exactly. And then I, uh, I essentially um, did uni, did English, and I was doing... Before uni I did an art foundation course, thought I might want to be an artist, um, started doing more video pieces. At uni I started doing um, the odd short film, mm and felt I might want to get into that area. And then post-uni, I just did the ritual of the time, which was get the Media Guardian on a Monday and broadcast uh, on a Thursday, and essentially look at any jobs and apply to all of them, thinking, well, I'll work out what I actually want to do uh, when I get a job. Uh, So it was, so I sort of fell into what I do, and it was the best luck ever because it's completely works for what i'd like to do it's you know the great thing about creating tv shows is that you're um thinking about something different every day uh, you can never get bored because something else has come down the line it's a sort of uh, it's intellectual fun to kind of create these things and then it's sort of brilliant fun to see them actually realized and see this sort of ludicrous idea you've had um, suddenly, actualized and people are playing it, and there's massive money at stake, and uh, and people care. So it's the it's the most fun.
1: But has there not been any point in your career where you've been like, mm, is this me? Am I in the right place? Like when you maybe when like I don't know a lot of aps and stuff go through that like little phase.
2: Uh, I was fortunate where I landed, really, because I joined Endemol in '99. The first month after I joined the four of us interns were taken out to Holland to uh, see the sort of main company <laughs> and we were brought on set of a new show that had just launched there and we we're taking down the camera run of the first ever Big Brother oh, wow. and so when I joined endemol UK our, our, the big shows um, that company was doing which were massive uh, in themselves uh, were change Rooms, Ground Force, Ready Steady Cook Uh, and then in that next sort of 10 years it transformed into a very different kind of company uh off the back of big brother and and a whole lot of reality and entertainment shows so um from a creative point of view it was a very good place to be because you were getting lots of shows away you were doing very different things to other people out there uh particularly not just in tv but in in the digital space and so our internship was for three months it it was extended for another two to five Um, and then we were going to we were all asked to sort of apply for the various junior researcher jobs um, or runner jobs that were out there in the company and myself and my colleague at the time adam adler and good friend now um, who now runs game face tv we thought actually Why don't we make up our own job um, so that we can continue working, doing what we're enjoying? Uh, And in particular, Big Brother had pointed to digital and online being a much more important part of the company. But there wasn't really the sort of creative staff to deliver on that. So we pitched ourselves as uh, new media creatives made up the job title, (laughs) made up the job description, and...
1: Was there anything as, like, new media wasn't a thing back then, was it? Well,
2: new media was what you called, uh, what we now call digital at the time. (laughs) It was new and it was media, (laughs) so good title. Um, And the...
1: This way, make-up shows. Yeah, well, the name worked.
2: Um, And actually, from there until I was made Deputy Creative Director of UK. All my job titles I made up myself up up until Deputy Creative Director. That was the first one that (laughs) pre-existed my coming up with it. So I didn't have the same, um, I suppose, because I came through this creative um, path, I didn't have the same, you know, sort of frustrations that you can have in this sort of freelance Mm. job-to-job world yeah, the downside of that, and I did feel this at times, is, you know, you do miss out on that kind of uh, a team together delivering one show kind of experience that, you know, many of my peers have had. The first time I was delivering shows really was when I was execing them. I, I was a question researcher on Shafted, which was the first show that me, Adam Adler and uh, Adam Wood sold to ITV um, and... So we, so I had that experience there But yeah, it was sort of My first proper production Was really as an exec uh, On a show called Help My Dogs As Fat As Me On BBC3 <laughs> Which was a weight loss show for fat people with fat dogs
1: Did so, any of them Did any of the dogs lose weight?
2: The dogs were fine, actually the Yeah, the the problem of the show It was the most brilliant casting It was the brilliant first episode uh, With these sort of
1: Fat people and fat dogs? Yeah
2: and then uh, EP2, uh, which was two weeks later in filming terms, uh, was just a load of fat people with thin dogs because <laughs> they basically hadn't fed the dogs and they lost the weight and they'd exercise them. <laughs> so uh, it's easier to make your dog lose weight, it turns out.
1: You've developed some of Britain's most recognisable quiz shows. Do you like the Million Pound Drop, Pointless, all those kind of things? Is there a formula to like making a quiz hit um, the
2: I think the amazing thing about game shows is, and one of the reasons I I like them from a development point of view, is that they're they're objectively they either work or they don't. So when you're pitching something that's more of a I guess a sort of factual entertainment show like House Share, you're more taking a a trend and saying there's something interesting in this and the commissioning editor either agrees or they don't. Um, but, you know, you just need to find the right person on the right day. But the lovely thing about game shows is the moment one actually works, because most of them don't, you're like, I'm going to sell this somewhere. Mm. Particularly if it's got a sort of something to distinguish it that, you know, might be, you know, an object in studio, like the Golden Balls, Balls. It might be a you know the the, the million pounds tractor. and million pounds and the trapdoors. Yeah, you know, you instantly like I've got a device. I've got a, a game that works. It's all kind of coming together. So I think you you need that kind of structure that works. And you know there isn't there's no version of playing that game where you go actually somebody's far too ahead for it to be interesting or any of the other things that can go wrong with games. And then you also need a kind of world that brings it to life to the viewer um and i think when those things come together you sort of like i'm I'm definitely going to sell this um you know when we had small fortune you know and we actually had the sort of structure the idea of um uh practice and then play for real we had for a long time but without the small world side of things Mm. And it was, there was something great there, but we couldn't quite work out how to sell it. And then um, it was a sudden inspiration of, actually, what if we make the world's smallest game show that suddenly you're like, okay, I'm going to sell this show. I, I it's know got a tagline. <clears throat> it's got a tagline, but I think it's also, it just, everything plays into that. Mm. And and I think that, so that's a nice thing. When you've got something that, completely works and the world links to the game structure and the gameplay and the game structure and gameplay delivers jeopardy and a good game every time you kind of relax a little bit uh, in a way that you don't in most mm. um uh, sort of tv development because you're kind of like if we can show this to someone we will get away at. we're just a pilot for itv daytime and it was just one of those shows that um i felt will get them in and if they don't go for it someone else will but i'm pretty sure they'll go for it Mm. and indeed they commissioned the pilot from seeing a run-through without knowing anything about the show they'd commissioned the pilot in 24 hours Mm. because it just worked
1: i guess like the good thing about run-throughs is like especially with quiz development is as soon you basically show how the show works to the commissioner right and you yeah,
2: exactly, and I think you know, the worst thing is pitching a game show um, mm. because very rarely you're able to bring the magic to life yeah. when you talk it through. But actually, when you run through in a room, you don't have to do a lot to say actually I, I care about this. Yeah. Um, even in a room, yeah, we did a run through for ITV Entertainment the other day where we managed to get. Two of the commissioners crying,
1: really? Yeah, that during was in a, a game room. show. Yeah, they were crying at a game show. Yeah, well, not
2: not because it was bad.
1: That's, that's I, I need. Well, this game show is probably going to make it into TV if a game show makes people cry. So I, I look so. forward to hearing about watching it. Actually, What's space. Um, that's crazy. So Youngest are quite an international facing indie, um, setting up in France and Germany recently. Um, with the advent of powerful S airspots, how do you think the international market's changed? It's a business question.
2: <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> um, so one of the reasons when I, I set up Youngest, in um, me and Lucas in 2016, uh, and we wanted to set up a company that was global from day one, partly because we felt that it was very difficult to be an indie operating in one territory anymore, that uh, the sort of um, borders are changing. I think it also makes it difficult to be a federally structured producer distributor as well, because there's a sort of conflict between you know people playing in their own territory and actually the sort of multinational market that we now have. So what we're seeing is, you know, um, all the uh, SVODs sort of building up not just UK language, but um, uh, multi-charity, multi-language businesses uh, and more popping up by the day. Uh, This is great for us, but it also presents some challenges into how you structure. So I think you need to be much smarter about where do we see an idea and how do we see the sort of journey of that idea to to its potential fans out there so you know um it used to be easy we would sell it to an itv or channel for bbc or whoever it might be and then you would gradually sell it territory by territory uh, and that's method still works particularly i think in in the studio game show space where they tend to be sort of locally focused you know people don't uh, haven't as yet cracked massively a sort of internationally focused game show but in other areas you know in reality in in other genres you absolutely need to be thinking about how you spread this idea out and who's best to launch it and to land it for indies that's very exciting particularly because you can be based in london and you can be working for you know us svod's um, with U.S. budgets, uh, you know, without necessarily having a U.S. office, we um, now have offices in the U.K. and Germany. We've got a joint venture in France, and this allows us to kind of you know, connect with the local broadcasters, spread our ideas quicker. As a result, uh, launch in lots of different places. It gives our creatives a, a sort of uh, a bigger, you know, canvas to to paint on, as it were, because they're not just stuck in well. In the UK, this show won't won't land. They can think wider, but it also means you know. With those S SMods, we can sort of offer potential multi-language from day one, which they're increasingly looking for.
1: Obviously, you started off your career, and more and you were there for basically what like fifteen, sixteen years. Yes, sixteen, 16 years. years. Yes. So, what have you found is the biggest difference between running your own company and working for a super indie? and being part of a big super indie machine?
2: Well, when I was at Endemol, it didn't feel like we were a big super indie, funnily enough. It, it mm. was always structured like a, a kind of, you know, smaller indie a team, just trying to do good shows. So in a funny way, some of that is not dissimilar from my time at Endemol, lots of people I work with, the people I used to work with at Endemol, mm. and... Our mission is similar, which is big ideas, uh, trying to come up with that sort of uh, thing that everyone's talking about. And so in that respect, it's it's not similar. I think the sort of change for me is, you know, the lovely thing about having your own company is you're able to uh, create a culture that is, you know, works for the people there and you're able to avoid any meetings that drag you down just focus on what you want to achieve make quick decisions you know and actually we were reasonably good at that and but it's just the size of those places you just inevitably end up with routines in the diary mm. that you know have to be done because of the scale of the yeah. place but that take you away from um, the most important part of the job which is you know developing that next big idea that will transform the company
1: Does work, especially in development, and also because you're the co-founder of a company, does work take over your whole life, or do you manage to squirrel away moments to yourself? How do you make sure you have somewhat of a work-life balance, or do you have a work-life balance?
2: We had a a, a very happy um, sort of coincidence, uh, which is myself and Lucas both had um, babies in the first year of the company, uh, their giggle you'll hear at the end of any youngest show which remains my <laughs> wife's <laughs> most uh, good bit of any show I do which she <laughs> always rewinds and, and rewatches watches our little ident with Lexi's giggle. I think the happy thing about that as well as uh, having a family which is lovely uh, was that it meant there was no way we were going to be able to do the kind of classic you know startup cliche of you know i'm working seven days a week 15 hours a day or whatever it might be i think that's all to the positive because i think that the nature industry you know particularly in the idea side extra hours in the office doesn't help you get to that itv prime time show actually being out with your friends or going to the cinema or going to an art gallery or walking or whatever it might be you're much more likely to get an idea there and we pride ourselves at youngest at running a very balanced team you know we do work hard at times you know and and when you're in studio inevitably you pull some long hours but we also um are very keen on making sure that we and everyone around us you know takes vacation uh you know doesn't stay in the office if so they don't need to stay in the office we're proud to say that you know many of our staff are parents and you know i think we're known as a very parent-friendly company and some of our most senior staff work part-time to allow them to be able to parent and and run their life in the way they need to all this is positive to us in fact we've always found that people like that tend to work harder in the time they're in the office and 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 achieve more anyway and I think every level of our staff, the sort of you know, health and uh, well-being is is the most important thing. I mean, TV is lovely, but it's more important that you're healthy. Um,
1: we touched a bit upon it earlier, but you ran the creative intern scheme while you were at Endermall And it has some very well-known in-the-industry alumni. What were you looking for in potential employees? What made an application stand out to you?
2: So when I was running the scheme, uh, we would advertise for our internship we would try and push those ads out as far and wide as possible because we wanted as many different kinds of people to apply um so we would advertise you know obviously in media guardian and the like but also sort of regional press in uh offices wherever we could find people ironically uh, i remember one year we got a 30 year old uh baker who read the Media Guardian and a Cambridge graduate who um, was unemployed and and saw the ad in his, was suggested to him by his uh, unemployment officer. (laughs) (laughs) So it doesn't always work. But um, the key thing was you need as wide a pool as possible. Mm. Um, The scheme would generally have um, an application where we had three or four ideas you'd have to write down um, where we give you a slot and a channel we would get, you know, a few thousand entries and we'd go through them or marking them yes, no, or maybe. And if it got sort of a number of yeses, it went into the pile to be properly considered and maybes went another pile. And if the yes pile was too big, then the maybes didn't make it, sadly. So what were we looking for when we put yeses on? I think the biggest thing was, and the most sort of amazing thing to realise when you're you're sort of, have such a volume of um applications is that basically so many people have the same ideas Um, and so many people have ideas that are essentially part of their world as it currently is rather than things that the wider public might want to watch Mm. you know so we would get a lot of um reality shows in freshers week uh we would get a lot of anything that sort of spoke to students and therefore wasn't massively interesting to anybody else Mm -hmm. uh, because, sadly, nobody likes students. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Fresh Meat was quite big. Yeah, well,
2: (laughs) very good scripted comedy involving (laughs) students can work, I'll give you that. So what we're really looking for was stuff that would make us sit up and that would be ways of thinking differently. Anything that when actually you've thought about telly and you've thought differently, if that came through the door that person would almost certainly get into the last 20 because it was actually very rare. Mm. And I think this is one of the sort of truths about creativity is um, that it's a particular skill, which means there are, you can learn, but there's also a sort of innate skill, I think, to combining things in a different way that surprises people and, and running through. So I think there is a sort of discipline. You can get good at it. It's like any sort of sporting attribute. You know, if you're a footballer, you need to be good to start with and then you need to be uh, out in the training every day to get great. Um, but if you're not good to start with, I could train every day and I would still be terrible at football, I can reveal. <laughs> um, and I think creativity is similar. So if we could find those gems, people that just thought a little bit differently through this volume play, through having so many people apply, then we're on to a good one. So then we would bring them together as 20 people in a room Split them into groups of four, and they'd brainstorm on a couple of things while we watched over them. Um, sort of one, you know, there'd be sort of six of us wandering around watching them, and we would be basically looking for, you know, who is driving the conversation, who's building on that. You Because know, sometimes people drive the conversation in a bad way and don't listen to other people. Mm. We're not looking for those people. They may be great ideas people individually, but if they can't work in a team, mm. then they won't have great ideas because your ideas will be limited by your own uh, potential, whereas yeah. it actually ideas is a team game, which actually makes ideas better because they're more than the, what one person can deliver. So we'd be looking for those team players who built on people's ideas or or were flexible to allow their ideas, get excited about their ideas, becoming something new in the team environment. Um, and then we would take those people and you know, a short list of them we'd interview individually. And there you'd be looking for, do you understand... Why your ideas are good, mm. so we talk through the individual ideas, and you know is it just chance that you've landed on this different thing, or are you genuinely thinking this is something different and interesting um Do you genuinely want to work in uh unscripted t v development, and do you reflect that in your viewing choices, or do you want to be a presenter or a, you know or work in scripted or documentaries, all of which is? yeah perfectly fine things to do, but may mean that you're not the best creative, mm. best most driven to creative all those things we were looking for, and then we'd also be looking for what's the best combination of four people to make the best intern scheme mm. and actually that's a quite an un that's quite a difficult one yeah there were some brilliant people who were the sort of fifth, sixth, or seventh intern in any given year, mm. many of whom I know. From from my time who are now very high up and um sort of well employed in the industry i actually didn't make the final four in my year Um, did you not no it was um i was number five and then somebody dropped out um just before a week before um the whole thing started
1: do Um, you think you would have carried on in tv had you not got that
2: Possibly not. I mean, I'd just been offered the top sales job in my uh domain name internet oh, wow. sales. So chief. we could
1: have lost you to domains. You could have.
2: Tech. I'd probably be a
1: <laughs> there would be no youngest billionaire media. By now, <laughs> yeah.
2: But there would be no youngest media, so swings and roundabouts.
1: <laughs> What's a show in the last year that you've watched and you wish you made? Very
2: good question. So th- the one that uh I properly enjoyed was Race Around the World on BBC Two. I felt was one of these shows, you know, you get some shows which are sort of brilliant transformational ideas that then, you know, hopefully are well-produced after that. And I think you get other shows where it's like, how did you make that? And actually the act of making the show is almost the creative act of, of the show becoming real. Mm. Uh, and Race Around the World... Yeah, it's something that lots of creatives will have talked about. In fact, I'm sure it's one of those like freshers week mm. that will be on lots of uh, uh, creative interns. Yeah, because
1: there is the whole there's like jailbreak that you do at university which yeah. is get as far away Yeah, with well,
2: them I I got a few of those through money. the door. <laughs> um in the park. and actually there were a few of those shows on telly about 15 years ago. Mm. There was Channel 4 had one. Um can remember what it's called which is about racing back to somewhere um, oh yeah,
1: the stranded one where you get dropped yeah, somewhere and then you have to find yeah, your exactly. way back
2: but the i thought the brilliant thing about race around the world was um it was produced in a way that made it a proper treat uh really great casting that you probably cared about um locations that opened Parts of the world that you hadn't seen for a long time, in a world where the travelogue, there aren't as many travelogues on telly, so it sort of took that slot, you know, and that kind of need. And while obviously, from production point of view, a real challenge to deliver that show, they managed to sort of keep that all under the surface so that you just watched it in a very enjoyable way. Understood the jeopardy in a very simple way and then I think scheduled in a very nice place Which was that Sunday night slot where sort of co-viewing experience mm. with your partner? is just a, it was just a sort of lovely treat. So I thought it was I thought it was brilliantly done in in every aspect
1: Finally, let's end on a mic drop if you could change one thing about the industry What would it be drop a bomb Dave mm. drop a grenade?
2: yeah youngest media is the biggest uh <laughs> <laughs> no um so i think the biggest thing for me is that we're an industry that you don't need qualifications to excel at and actually you can get in on a junior level as a creative or as a runner and in a very meritocratic way you can literally go from there um to you know running your own company or you know producing shows you can have a very nice living and so there's a sort of brilliant potential social mobility to our industry you Mm -hmm. know if you're good you can uh, work your way through and so what I'd love to change is the perception that actually you need to be middle class or posh in some way to get through because there's no reason why you should and to go back to think about football basically everyone tries to play football so the people who end up playing for england or in the premier league are most likely the best players whatever their background Mm. they just you know started they enjoyed it and you know they knew the potential rewards for that hard work and and they made it and i would love if Every kid coming out of school understood that uh, our industry has exactly the same potential. There's no reason why anybody you know who's watched telly, which is pretty much everyone in, in the country, mm. shouldn't be able to come up with ideas. And if everybody was trying to do that, then we would definitely have better people doing it because there'd be more people doing it. Um, I completely and, agree with you. <laughs> so I'd love it if... More people just realize that actually nowadays, you know, we don't do unpaid work experience. So entry level pay is tough like everywhere, um, but you can actually start to build quite quickly. So a lot of the, I think there's a lot of fear about um, the media, which I just don't think is unfounded. And if you're a confident middle class or or upper class kid, you probably don't worry about that and Mm. i think if you're a working class kid you do and i think it's a pity because actually the reality of it is uh, getting that job you know tighten your belt for a year or two and actually you can quite quickly be in a place where you're doing pretty well and you've got real potential to do extremely well if you've got the talent
1: we're both from manor park and we made it to mayfair exactly so we're like drake started from the bottom (laughs) now we're in mayfair the most expensive part of a monopoly board
2: Well, yeah i call it south marble
1: arch but south marble arch (laughs) (laughs) thank you that was great um thanks for your time dave thank you
0: thank you for listening to this episode of get with the program If you want to find out more about us, you can go to our website www.thetvfestival.com or you can find out more about The Network or Wants to Watch on our Twitter and Instagram pages at the network underscore TV or at Wants to Watch underscore TV. We'll have more episodes coming very soon, but in the meantime, there's plenty in our archive for you to listen to. Thank you again and we'll see you soon. Bye.